lovely to be with you this morning. I mean, it's just an extension of the family, isn't it? And um, we're neighbours, so that's even better. Um, I'm just going to share a little bit about the shack. Um, there are many facets of the shack. It's not just a place for a shower, a meal, a cuppa, but a place of refuge for our friends facing many issues. Over the last six months, we've seen many coming for assistance, needing accommodation, food hampers, and just the good old friendly conversation. During our 21 years, it's been, a vi it's been vital to connect with other support groups and agencies, such as Lily House, Compass, there's so many groups that we connect with. It is this relationship that helps us connect our friends at the shack to the resources that they need. We've endeavoured to equip people with an understanding of helping those less fortunate than ourselves. Our HELP program has been designed to teach our broader community of the needs of those who find themselves in a disadvantaged situation. We have team building events, school programs, parties and events groups that come together and have a hands-on experience at the shack where they get to prepare meals and have good conversation which inspires individuals to help others. The shack welcomes our disadvantaged friends to a place that it feels like home. A fresh towel, soap, shampoo, conditioner, razor, deodorant, for a warm shower and a freshen up. Ready for a continental breakfast of cereal and toast with a good cup of coffee or tea. But on occasion, we'll have a hot breakfast. So that, you never know when that's gonna happen because it depends what comes through the door, what's donated. Followed with um, morning tea, which is accompanied by um, home baking. So we have some um, people that come in, uh, some young mums with their children that are doing homeschooling. So they come in and actually make something in the kitchen and that's what goes out for our morning tea. And then, um, you know, and then if our friends have missed breakfast, they have the opportunity to come together because they're welcome to gather at our table for lunch and great conversation. The shack undertakes food rescue, working closely with organisations like Oz Harvest and directly with Aldi and local farmers and shop owners to minimise waste and turn fresh produce into home-cooked meals. The shack also needs to buy ingredients for meal preparation as fruit and vegetables are the main food types we rescue. So there is a, this is where we see our community um, come together and um, are able to um, provide much needed donated um, items for our dry goods pantry. The shack, a haven for those struggling with their mental health, addictions and wellness. While they're, while they're on Mondays, our friends are welcomed to see the beautiful volunteers of Sunny Street Medical Team for a health check and referral. Once they have had their um, clothes washed and dried by the Orange Sky crew, when, um, which is also on a Monday, then Wednesdays we see um, the HOT team, which is the Homeless Health Outreach Team from Queensland Health, also connect with our friends. The shack brings the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus we have the pleasure of Val Smith being, being with us for over 15 years, bringing counselling through the application of the Bible. We are confident of our faith in Jesus. We see Deuteronomy 15, give freely and spontaneously. 
Don't have a stingy heart. The way you handle matters like this triggers God. Your God's blessing in everything you do and all your work and ventures. There are always going to be poor and needy people among you. So I command you, always be generous, open purse and hands. Give to your neighbours in trouble, your poor and hurting neighbours. We are blessed to have so many amazing people who have helped grow and shape the shack to what it is today. Sponsors, staff, volunteers, management committee, stakeholders and community workers all working together to better our community. So then I'll just leave you with Matthew 25. Then the king will say to those on his right, enter who are blessed by my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. Here's why. I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering, you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. So that's just a little glimpse of what we do at the shack. There's a few, yes, many areas. And we also go into schools and um, share our help program as well as doing it at the shack. Um, but yeah, we're also now connecting um, into one of the alternate schools down Caloundra Way where we're mentoring young girls and that's just um, a new facet that we're taking on as well. So I'm going to hand over to Dale. <laughs> Well, it makes it difficult to have to follow not only that communion message, but now that. So I'm going to give it a crack anyway, and we'll see how we go. It's so good to be with you. It's so good to be in the family still. But I need to bring up something. Gabriel, I told him that I would mention this. Gabriel has been visiting us over the last few weeks, and he's the cheekiest person I've ever met in my life. Put up your hand if you agree. Absolutely. So, Gabe. I told you I'd mention you, all right? And uh, so you'd stop being naughty. That's pretty much what it comes down to. Okay, so uh, now Gabe, I was actually just went across to see a couple of our guys before church, just chatting with them. And Gabe, you got mentioned over there because they're just, he, I don't know if you guys know, but Gabe comes along. When he's commonly known now over at the shack as Uber Gabe. Because uh, we can't call him Meals on Wheels because they're next door. So he's actually known as Uber Gabe and he actually loads up his trolley and loads up and he actually takes the food out to the guys in his wheelchair. And it's, yeah, give him a clap. <laughs> Serious. Um, it is such a cool thing to see and so he is commonly now, so everybody needs to call him Uber Gabe. Everyone look at him and say, thank you, Uber Gabe. You. Well done. So that's absolutely terrific. So thank you. So, guys, we really want to sort of get into it because we only got three hours and um, so we better get started, So, which is absolutely terrific. Thank you, uh, Pastor Darren and Fiona, for having us and, and letting us loose. You made the comment. You opened the door, my brother. Thank you. you used the word, let me loose on the Philippines. Well, you're letting me loose now on Short Street, which is just absolutely terrific. Guys, we just so appreciate your time. Great to see some familiar faces as well. Uh, we've known you guys for many, many, many years, a lot of you. And uh, we've just thank you for your prayers because we know we can feel that undergirding. You know, every time you go into a situation, it's funny. I don't know if you've had the police at your door, Darren, until today. Yeah, once, yeah, yeah. 
Well, they were actually asking me about Merv. Where are you, Merv? Over here. Um, that's primary. And the good thing is I talked it out on Merv. Whatever the charges they had, they've been dropped. Okay? So um, everyone knows Merv actually used to cause a lot of trouble at Mitre 10. Well, actually at Lanham's initially. Used to cause a lot of trouble there. Often the police were called to the workplace. Uh, and it's still happening, Merv. So, uh, so that's a terrific thing to see, that you haven't let the team down. It's fantastic. I just want to quickly read this. It's, um, Nathan took the car, and I can remember him walking down the front steps and opening the gates. And it was the last time I would ever see him. Today, Janine is left with a heartbreaking final memory of her eldest son. Sadly, Nathan took his own life at 31 years of age. Janine describes Nathan as a man who had lived, loved, married and fathered two children. For Janine, these memories that make his death so unexpected. We really didn't have any idea that Nathan wasn't well. He'd been living in Mackay for three years with his wife and his two little kids. Janine remembers the first sign we got was a phone call. He just rang me one day and said, Mum, I'm coming home. My marriage is over. Then he returned to Sydney and three weeks later he took his own life. Janine and the rest of Nathan's family were consumed not only with the pain of the loss, but with the overwhelming and confusing mix of feelings, guilt and anger, fear and blame. And they had so many questions. This is a story from Janine from the Wesley Mission, and I'm going to get the guys to put my first slide up, if that's okay. And you'll see this slide here. You know, the above story is, unfortunately, not unusual. I'm not telling you something you haven't heard before. Every day we are confronted with the stark reality that men are fighting the silent killers called despair, loneliness, addiction, abuse, and the list goes on and on. You know, in recent weeks, I've been taking that roller coaster ride called the Book of Psalms. If you've been in the Book of Psalms and you've been lost in the Book of Psalms, let me tell you, I end up with motion sickness because of it. Because it takes you on a journey that you just really don't understand. It's personal peaks and troughs. It's poetry of laments and victories are amazing. You'll see the picture that's up on the wall here. Just a few short weeks ago, we did a memorial down in Quota Park. And this is the cross. I think it's there somewhere. Actually, I've never seen myself on a screen. I can see why. Anyway, but I've sort of basically called this a cry of a heart. But that's actually a literal. It's a cross that is placed in a garden down there because this was our fifth suicide in the 20 years that we've been working at the shack, the ones that we know about. We, we have the, and it sounds weird, but saying that we have the privilege because of the position that we hold, and, and it's a position that the church should hold in our community, that the first place they go is to try and find peace in Christ. The first place that people need to know that they feel comfortable is that they can find solace in the words of the gospel. And when I did Nikki's... Um, Memorial. We we had quite a few people down there, and and we we used some music that you know from uh, basically just right across, just good gospel music, and it just changed the atmosphere. But the amazing thing about this story, when I was approached by one of our local girls here that, that lives on the street every day, and she come up to me and she said, "Dale, can I share something?" I said, "Absolutely. What would you like to share?" She said, you know, we were down in the camp and you guys would be very much aware of the camp that's just over here under the railway bridge. It's commonly known now as, as just the Nimble camp. And she said, you know, we were sitting in the tent, in Nikki's tent, 
just the night before, when before they found her that morning, dead in the tent. And she, we were sitting there, and we were, we were sober. This is the word she's using. We were sober. And she said, and because this young woman I'm talking about was actually brought up in a Christian home. And, and, and when she's in, those, in a lucid position, she starts to share about what God and how God had spoken to her and the seeds that had been sown into her life. And she said, I was sharing this with Nikki. And she said, you know, I led Nikki in the sinner's prayer. The next day, I'm talking to the same young woman who was that under the weather and that drunk. But you know, God can use any vessel. So when we were actually sharing about this with Nikki, I can see it behind me now, thank you. We were able to share that Nikki was now at peace in the arms of her Jesus. But like I said earlier, this is not an unusual story. But as I started to go on this journey, I landed. You know, that roller coaster come to an end in Psalm 130. And as we know, for many parts of this latter parts of Psalms, particularly from the 128 through, these are actually songs. And, and I'm glad I've got a couple of wonderful musicians in the room because you guys will be able to help me out with it. I don't know what an ascent is. I haven't got an eye clue. That's a musical term. But also when I was starting to look and I looked into some, some, some deep and meaningful stuff, it was also the songs that were sung by the Israelites as they travelled. So they would sing songs of exaltation. They would sing songs that lifted up God. And I, got, and I landed right here. And this is where I want to share from. And this is where I want to start. So we're going to go to our next slide. And out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. This is Psalm 130. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Isn't it good how God brings it into place? Because everything we sung about this morning has been about forgiveness and mercy. You know, I cry to you. So many of those we meet every day tell us that they cry a silent, guttural scream coated with fearful and fury-filled frustration. God, can you hear me? Can you not hear me? God, can you see me? I need your mercy. We need your mercy. But right off the top, that's what I love about Jesus. Right off the top, you go to 1 Peter 1.3 and it says, Give us an answer. Be to the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy has given us a new birth in the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, you, many of us can remember, I don't know how, some have probably been here and been saved for five minutes. Some of you have been saved for 50 minutes. Some of you have come from atheistic backgrounds. I, I am one. Some of you have come from a place where there was dark. But it's amazing in those most darkest moments of your life, even if you didn't believe, there is something that tweaks in your spirit. Because in the heart of every man is eternity. There is something in you that sort of says at this very moment in my life, I have to scream out. And sometimes it's a silent scream. Sometimes no one can hear it other than God. But it's guttural. It has an incredible power to it. And we see this every day when we have conversations just sitting out the front of the shack. We hear these conversations. Does God really hear me, Dale? Does God really hear me, Donna? Does God really hear the, some of the words that I've spoken? And you know, we have an assurity in our Christ that he hears every word. 
And it doesn't matter. You don't have to be at the front of an altar here right now and cry out because God just doesn't leave it to altars. You can be under a tree. You can be in a car. You can be in your bedroom. You can be on a train to Brisbane. And he listens. And he understands. And he knows. And if you go on into this scripture, in this passage of scripture, it says this, If you, Lord, keep a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. And it's funny, I had a picture of just so many people and myself when when I was reading this little passage. Hey God, I know you don't keep records of wrongs. That's what it tells me. I know you don't keep records of wrongs. But just in case you do, just in case, I want to make a declaration to you right now. I'm guilty. I am guilty. I know you don't keep that record, but I just want to confess right now that's where I'm at. But I have this sense you care about me. There is something in my spirit that says you love me. There is something that just stirs within me that says you are there. And forgiveness is your sentence for my crime. When your judge's cavil comes down, I will not face a cell of captivity, but an open door for change. Not encumbered by the past, but motivated by the hope and direction that you place in me. You see, I love the fact in 1987 when I got this. Brian Houston had just preached a message. I can never tell you what the message was. I have not a clue what the message was. All I remember is, is that, does anyone want to give their life to Christ? It's probably a good chance right now. And I remember running to the front of a little church in Sydney called Hillsong. And, and making this declaration. I don't understand you, God. I haven't got a clue who you are. I wouldn't even know what you look like, what you taste like, what you smell like. But what I do know is you love me. And you see, our community needs to hear that. And guess who's got the message? The response worries me, guys. Who's got the message? Exactly. So, this scripture goes on and it says this, I wait for you, Lord, my whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I will wait for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. So, hey, God. So what now, Jesus? What, what are now? I've given my life to Christ. I've, I've stepped out in faith. What now? You know, the world behind me. We love that song, In the Cross Before Me. A belly full of butterflies anticipating your next move. I am waiting, God. I am so excited about this new dawn in our lives. So we need to get passionate, church. We need to get passionate, family, about the fact that we've got a message that will change our cities. It'll change our nation. This is a message that will change lives in an instant. I've been blessed to be in positions where I've seen people, and I've also been in positions where I've seen it haven't happened, but I've been there where I've seen people come to the altar and their life is so drug-affected, but they come to the altar and they leave free. 
I've seen people sit in situations. They've been sitting in congregation and listening to the music. And they've been set free. Because, you know, the power is not in you. The power is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in the word of God that brings life and life abundantly. See, it's such an amazing God that we serve. We've got to get that. There is nothing he cannot do. And when we look at people, what do we see? Do we see the outer or do we see what God sees? I walked over and just spoke to a few of the guys this morning. I thought, well, I come here early. I did. Mate, we need to check the website. I need to check the website. Because I'm sure it said 9 o'clock. Did you check that for me, bro? Because I got up early. Just to be here. But it was a great opportunity. So I went and chatted with some of the guys over there. We just sat and had a... And, um, and you know, I said, listen, church is on over there. Why don't you all come on over? They'll love to have you over there. And... Um, they said, yeah, that's a good idea. You know, they may never walk into there, but you guys need to walk to them. Because you are the church. It's not the building. This thing can collapse tomorrow. The gospel doesn't. You can get a water leak in the crash. Who cares? Because the gospel's in you. So what, what now, God? What am I waiting for? I love it when it goes on to the next phase and it says, you know, basically in 1.30, I just need to get back over here. I wait for you, Lord, and my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen. And it sort of copiously says here that my hopelessness is now replaced with hope. That's the message. That's the message. Hey, family. Hey, friends. Hey, Nambal. Hey, Nambal, listen up. Listen up. Your hopelessness is now replaced with hope because of Jesus Christ. You know, Calvary just wasn't something he had to do. It was something he wanted to do. And when he went to Calvary, out of that, out of that issue of blood, poured so many amazing things. And one of those was hope for a city. One of those were hope for a nation. One of them was hope for you and I. So here I'm waiting on you, God. Just build in me this anticipation. Continue to build this anticipation. Give me something that I can do for Jesus. You know, it's an amazing thing. We've got some people are sitting in this room today. There's a bit of snow on the roof, but there's a lot of fire in the house. You know, it's never too old to serve Christ. He doesn't have an age limit. Just does not have an age limit. And that sort of goes on to say that my hope is in the Lord. His love is like the past. It's not like the past, I apologize. It will not let you down. It is incapable of failing. Its whole economy is to continually build us up. It redeems, it refreshes, it restores. His love brings pure rest and relief. What our community really needs... Because this journey continues into 131. And you hear a rhythm change. You sort of hear a, a change happen in the singing. This was pretty cool in 130. They're sort of just warming up in 130. But then they get into 131 and there's a, there's a, there's a chord change. I'm making it making out that I know music. <laughs> I have no idea. 
but there's but I've played a lot of tapes does anyone remember tapes put up your hand if you remember tape oh that is really sad guys <laughs> put up your hand if you don't know what a tape is okay there's that's okay but when I got saved it was the best thing ever Leon Patillo who <laughs> you are old <laughs> serious I remember him yeah and I used to listen to him a fair bit and um yeah, it's Jeff Bullock. You know, and it just, it just built your faith up. But it was almost when you started to listen to that, and I sort of got a picture of this, there was like a bit of a, there's a rhythm change in their step. I reckon that the, the Israelites here are getting a little bit quicker on their feet now. You know, they've already been praising for so many psalms, but now they've got to one that really changes the atmosphere. This is what it says in, 31, in, in, in 131. My heart is not proud. And I've just put some little things. It says, my heart is not proud. No longer about me. There's a, there's, a, there's a click that happens. This is no longer about us. We might be walking in the desert and we might have, been, we might have even left some people behind. There might be some people that are just aren't making this journey with us. But let me tell you now, it's no longer about me. God, it's all about you. It's all about the direction that you're taking us. It's all about the hope that we have in you. It's all about the love that you have for people. So this, is, this, this change takes place. And then they go on to this and they say this. In base, it goes on to, num my eyes are not haughty. I'm no longer arrogant. I'm no longer full of hate. I'm no longer in those places where it is about me or where my heart is. It's all about you. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you that you've taken this arrogance and this pride out of my life and you're replacing it with a passion for Jesus. I do not, I love this, I do not concern myself with great matters or things. This is just for everyone with OCD, this particular scripture. Mark this if you have OCD, just write your name next to this scripture. I do not concern myself with great matters or things or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted myself. More centered, less angry. More focused on the cross than on what has brought me to this point. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I'm content. And I've just put this in parentheses, resting my head on Jesus' chest, feeling his heartbeat. For me, for my family, for my friends, and for my town. You know, I can just remember, and I, hopefully I don't embarrass my wife with this one, but that's what husbands are for. Put up your hand if you agree. You cowards. Oh, don't. But I can remember once our babies were weaned, and... Uh, they're now 26 and 22. I'm not sure if they are weaned because my bank account's still empty. But anyway. And I can remember sometimes with Donna, we'd be just laying with, with her babies or with our babies. And they'd be just laying on her chest. And it, it gave me an amazing picture. See, we're never out of the position where we can't just go and lay our head on Jesus' chest like a weaned child and it's there we hear and feel his very heartbeat 
His heart beat for us and his heart beat for his community. That's where we can ask him the questions and we can look up and we say, Abba, what do we need to do to reach our community? What's our next step? I'm full of anticipation and passion. What do I need to do? And you can just sort of you feel this. You're just getting his heartbeat. No wonder their march was different because they started to march to a different beat. I just need you, Dad. I need you to show me the direction I need to take. I need you to show me the hope that you have for a community. I need you to show me the love that you showed me and I want to show it to others. Come on, Dad. Make it happen. I'm willing and you are able. And I used to watch, and I don't know if Donna was, I mean, it was aware, but I would see a child that was just so rested. And then, you can put your own word in here, but I've stuck a word in here, because the, the, the final part of this particular passage, it says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, but both now and forevermore. I replaced it, I said, Namble. Put your hope in the Lord. But now, both now and forevermore. I want to tie this up in a, in a bow. I want to finish up. The journey continued and I, again, sort of got off the roller coaster at Psalm 146. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in, it, in them. He remains faithful forever verse 7 he upholds the cords of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry the Lord sets prisoners free the Lord gives sight to the blind the Lord lifts up those who are bowed down the Lord gives Lord loves the righteous and finally in verse 9 it says the Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow but he frustrates the ways of the wicked you know, despite what we may see, the devil like doesn't win. And I love that scripture and it just keeps me driven. You say, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There is no fear. There is no fear. If your life is governed by fear, then just tell God to deal with it. Tell him to fight the fight with you. And he does. He goes into the battle. He goes into it with such, a, such a, a, a love for you and a passion for you. You know, homelessness is not scary. Homelessness is a symptom of a world that's going to hell. And the reality is, you have the key to unlock. And it's called Christ. And I want to give you an opportunity. This morning you may be here and this is probably the first message you've ever heard. And that's the last one I've ever written. <laughs> Thanks, bro. But you may have never have, you may not have a personal relationship with Jesus. You may not be in a position where, you know, this message this morning is a little bit foreign to you. 
I'll, I'll just share a little bit about having a foreign message. I remember the first time I ever went to church, and I'll tell you what, that was a battle for people to get me there. But I remember the first time and there was a communion message. Well, I thought I was in the middle of a murder scene. Honestly, guy's up there and he's talking about this guy getting nailed to a, a tree. There's blood pouring out of his hands and it, it, you know every orifice. And I'm thinking, goodness, goodness me, these Christians are fruitcakes. You know, and they're talking about this and if this blood flows and... I'm thinking this bloke, there's only a certain amount of liters in us and this thing just keeps coming. Well, we know better now, it just keeps flowing. But I did, and I, I was, it was totally foreign to me. Totally foreign. But I had to go on a journey. I had to find out more about this. So I asked questions. I spoke to people. I, I did the weird thing and actually read the Bible they gave to me. I know it's strange. And I know it's weird. I've actually got a Bible up here with paper in it. Is everyone finding that a bit weird this day and age where everything, you know, you're looking on your iPhone or you're looking on something for your Bible? That's a great little app. But I remember I thought, well, I better read a little bit about this, you know, and I, I went to the book of Job. <laughs> went to the book of Concordance. Great stuff, good book, the Concordance. It repeats itself a little bit, but it's a good book. But we needed to search it out a little bit more. I needed to find out a little bit more. But you know, I had to make the initial step and give Christ a chance. I had to say, yeah, Jesus, I want to be on your team. I want to be on team Jesus. And if you're here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There's no better time. You know, it's a great scripture and I love the scripture where it says today is the day of salvation. You can't put it off. And Nikki reminds me so much about that. The night before, the night before she passed away, she gave her life to Christ. See, no, one, no man knows the hour and all the time, and we know that's talking about the return, but the reality is we don't know about it. Now, Darren goes in and gets a test and finds out there's a lot of calcium around his ticker. Good news is, you know, there's calcium still there, but he's not going to pop off, not tomorrow anyway. But it's going to come to all of us. We don't get out of this world without it. But where do you go? That's the question. There's only two places. There's no purgatory. There's no bus stop. There's no you know, place where you can just go, I'll make the decision now. It's this side of heaven. So if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus, can I get the worship team down? Is that okay? Can we do that? Just a... Again, remember, I'm not a musician, guys, so I just say, this is pretty simple stuff. You just do what you've got to do. But we want to give people an opportunity this morning. There's a world out there that needs you. And, you know, it's amazing because I have done have people come to me at the shack and say, listen, what can I do? And they want to be the busy bee. They want to be running around and they want to be doing a whole lot of stuff. But you know, some of the greatest and most powerful things that have been done is just going to sit down with someone with a cup of coffee. Sit alongside of them and just listen. Because everyone has a backstory. And it's amazing how many we've met that went to Sunday school. How many people we've met, particularly in our maturer generation, you know, the, the sort of 45, 50 plus, how many of them still went to Sunday school? They went to the local salvos down the road or they went to the Anglican or Boys Brigade with the Baptist or we hear them all. 
you know, rangers with the old AOG. But we hear the stories. And because if you didn't have the cup of coffee, when you never hear the story, you can be buzzing around them like the busy bee and trying to think that you're changing the world. Sometimes people just need an ear. And everybody's capable of that. But that first place we need to come is to Christ. So wherever your eyes bow, closed and every head is bowed, we just want to give you an opportunity this morning. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus, we're going to give you an opportunity. We're going to give you an opportunity to say, yes, that's me. So if you're here this morning, it's just a, a raise a hand. Just say, yep, that's me this morning. I need to come home. I need to find Christ. I need to find the Jesus that's going to change me, my family, and my community. Pastor Dale.